Yemi Adesa is here in the studio. Bodio Gutui joins us live from the United States. And um, we'll start with, well, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm laughing. But we'll start with what we call uh, matters arising in Nigerian football. A number of little, little issues here and there are cropping up that we feel deserves our attention. You know, like we always tell them, when they say we criticize too much, you tell them, go back. Go and search all the previous episodes of Sports 360 podcast where we've talked about and I just fall and criticize them. That's good thing about podcasts. You can always go back and play back. And in fact, and tell me which of our episodes we have been unfair to the authorities. We try to be objective, but at the same time, we try to be as truthful as possible. And most of the time, you find out that truth hurts. So maybe that will happen again today, but hey, that's where we're going. So, buddy, let me start with you. What's your take on Salisu Yusuf's return to the Super Eagles coaching crew? And that's one. And secondly, um, what happens to Yobo's role in the team? Because it's a bit confusing now. Joseph Yobo, I mean. Um, I will start from the second question and, and, uh, and let's, let's look at uh, the, the, the position of Yobo first. And the fact is that um, for some time now, the appointments into the backroom staff of the Spygoos have, yeah, and, 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 and the appointments have been very, very, um, uh, uncoordinated and it's been, um, uh, let me, can I, may I use, can I use the word almost irrational? Because when you look at that, first off, um, when the author came, know that his backroom staff is what, uh, then they're not, they were, I, I can I use the word not sanctioned, is the one paying the salaries, he brought the people he needed, and he spent it from his pocket, from the narrative we have been told. And from the NFF end, the, the opponents have, have looked arbitrary. Um, both the appointments and, and the removals. When Ibama was removed as the coach, uh, as, as, as one of the, as one of the assistant coaches of, of General Troll, the questions were raised as to why he was removed. And for a long time, there was silence from the NFF. And then when the, when the excuses or the reasons were made public, uh, were made public through back channels, because it was, it was not official. Um, some, uh, uh, a lot of people raise more questions that the, that the NFF never, ever uh, um, responded to. And then, Joseph Yubo himself came up. And a lot of people asked, how Yubo, who has a certificate qualified a lot more than him, who, who has won? Now, if Yubo were to be the new coach of the spy, you understand it's Yubo, but he was a member of the backroom staff. But be that be that uh, as it may, now that um, I tell you, is back. It means that there's an extra salary, an extra, uh, an extra amount to feed, as it were, in quote. And so, yes, we should ask what is Joseph Yubo's rule now. Again, there's a silence from the from the NFL, but on social media, there's been a lot of things. Most of them, uh, uh, most of them, are complimentary to Joseph Yubo, given what he has done uh, um, in the shirt of the Super Eagles. But that is what the NFF caused, and that is where we are today. Uh, some people suggested that, as it is now, um, because Raw uh, talks so glowingly 
about uh, about Salis Yusuf. Um, uh, there are rumors that the odds are that Yubu will be so far breaking order that they are going to contact between him and the coach and the players. So just be there, just marking time, doing nothing. Maybe get a, get a, get a certificate. And so the return of Salis Yusuf puts Yubu's reputation in more jeopardy because he's the butt of 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 jokes on social media. That's on one side. Now, to the turn of Salisu Yusuf, what purpose does it does it serve when someone who has been uh, found guilty by the ethics uh, um, committee of, of, of FIFA on corruption, when he's sitting on the bench of his final ghost? Now, you know, you and I know, the, we, we, we keep saying that Spiragos is a brand. And um, um, from what to know, Spiragos would like to confirm for the nation's on the bench in nations where they have mysterious media when questions are raised about services how do we answer it that is why it is important for us who are the uh, who, are, who are media uh, uh, media members back home to make this plain to those who don't understand it it is not about it is about not like it's a it's, it is not about attacking the nfl it's about passing that should be asked when we export the spy goods that is a brand we are trying to sell to the world because a lot of the companies that put one of the spy goods, they have ties to other companies outside Nigeria. So those are the issues that we need to look at. Personally, I do not think Salis Yusuf should be given that job with spy goods. If they are feeling if they are generous, if they are feeling, if they are feeling, if they are forgiving him, maybe there are other things they are giving him that will ensure he's working with them, but not in a public capacity. Being a member of the Spiragus brand that we export all over the world because they are, they are, they are, they are, they are countries who hold higher, higher standards than we do. And they will question the integrity of the whole of Spiragus because of Salis Yusuf, uh, Yusuf's presence. That it is just what it is. Everybody made the point. Um, that's the question I was going to ask you, Yemi. Um, potentially, how damaging is it to the brand? Because, you know, I think we're, NFF has been too simplistic here. So Salis Yuzu has served his time. Um, it was a mistake. He's back in the food and all of that. But when there has been a conviction, you've been convicted. No matter how well-intentioned you are, no matter what mistakes you made, there's a conviction. You have been found guilty of that offense. Like Bode said, you get to a situation where the only questions that will be asked, you know, just like, you know, media, Bode said about mischievous media, we can be very mischievous. The Super Eagles go somewhere, they have a bad result, Mysterious questions like, um, are you sure the influence of the assistant manager didn't have anything to do? He has a history of this, that, 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 that. I mean, how do you get away from that? And how damaging, quote unquote, or are we just being, um, are we being too overly critical? We're not being overly uh, critical. Um, first of all, it's not a good look at all. The optics don't look good at all. At all. Mm-hmm. And, um, in similar crimes, and I use that in quotes, in similar crimes, this is enough for a brand to pull out its sponsorship. Some brands, yeah? Yeah, for some brands to pull out their sponsorship of the national team. Why? Because what that means is that the person who has been involved in a bribery scandal will be done in their brand. So it means that their brand condones more or less what mm. he has done. 
The simple example is someone that is caught doing a fraud in a bank. Mm. And after being found guilty, does his time, he's now employed in a bank again. By the same bank. But he doesn't have to be the same bank, but <laughs> by a bank again. Why would a bank want to employ someone who has been accused and served his time for fraud as a bank employee again? That's the same thing that is happening in this case. Are we saying that there's no other better person on the Nigerian landscape that can take that job? Are we saying that it's the Stanley Yusuf or nothing? nobody else? I think it's a political chess move mm. against 2023. Mm. The NFF elections in 2023. I think it's a political chess move because somehow they need to balance it between, you know, north and south. And Treasury is of northern extraction. So you need to balance it out we, somehow. We, we can't run away from those things here. You can't run away from it. But then, are we saying that it's the only person qualified from northern Nigeria to occupy such a position? I'm sure there are a lot of intelligent, smart coaches across the country mm. that could take that position as well. So, um, it reeks of, you know, political intrigues and also it's, um, it's a morally backward decision. Okay, quite a few topics we want to talk about, but we agree here that um, bringing Salisi Yusuf back is not a very good move um, on the part of the NFL because it has long-term implications that they appear not to be seen or apparently choose to ignore um, in their own um, assessment of situations. Buddy, you are the man of the troublesome beat. We are in October. Effectively, we are in November. And we have had a one pre-season tournament. Not one. We are having one. Okay, we have had two pre-season tournaments. Two pre-season tournaments. As we speak, <laughs> there is no timetable. There is no. There is even nothing. When is this league starting? I'm talking about the Nigerian Professional Football League now. LMC is not saying anything. NFF appears not interested in anything domestic. When is this league starting? We don't even have any idea. It's ridiculous at this time of the year. Now, look. Every major league, as far as I know, a few weeks after the end of the season, the program is out for how the next season will run. And this is majorly because the program starts and ends the way they planned it. The key word here is plan. That's the key word. The way they plan this. Our league has always been run haphazardly. It's not a first time occurrence. It is a several years dating back, uh, um, dating back several, several seasons, um, uh, occurrence. Something that has occurred over and over again. And you remember that almost every season, almost at the end of, uh, 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 almost every, every season, every year, people suggest that look, you cannot structure this league if you don't if you don't either take a year out and then plan it or do um, a, a very shortened season so you can lock this a sink in place yeah and then and then from that point pick it up and make a calendar that's will that that will for years nobody wants to do a shortened season and as long as you don't look at or consider a shortened season we're going to keep having this problem i can tell you from me i'm sitting here in Dallas, Texas, that this thing will not start until January. 
That is if we start before the nation's call. Mm. Because if the league doesn't start before the nation's call, we are going to be excuses and then it will be the league will start after the nation's call. And then someone will insist on us running the full season as we get run into Christmas and then the cycle will continue until we lock down a calendar that starts at a time and ends at a time. But before we can do that, we've got to run a shortened season that will not rule into, into the summer or go beyond the regular season that everybody likes. There's a time that, that, that the argument was, oh, you know what? Because um, because I remember uh, Harry, uh, Harry Walla of the of, of the uh, of the LMC LMC. saying, oh, the African football calendar, we run the sync with the African football calendar. Now, even now, we are, even, as, as we speak now, I say that, oh, we are not, we are not playing with the European season. Uh, our season is, is, is in sync with the African football calendar. Now, we have to sync with both African and African football calendar, and we are seeing the same thing. So, until we deliberately say, okay, you know what, from 2022-2023 season, we will start at this time. It is when you decide when next when 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 next when when, uh, when the twenty 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 three season will start when you log that in. That's how much you, how much time you have to prosecute this season. And so it's a two three four year plan. Yeah, you can't just wake up and declare it because every year the teams are ready, the players are ready, but the the, 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 the LMC and the NFF are not ready. It's it happens every year, and and here we are again having the same conversation day. You know, um, but they just mentioned that the club, because I was going to say, the clubs are ready. Most of the clubs had made their moves, done their transfers, gotten their playing rosters. Most of them, some of them changed coaches. They're playing pre-season tournaments and all of that. And my, 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 my take is, is even the, is the arrogance of authority. Nobody's even saying anything. Nobody's willing to have, make any explanations. Everybody's just like, well, maybe we start when we start. And then you expect these clubs, to be incurring salaries, incurring maintenance costs, logistics costs for the players who probably the league will not. And but they made a point. But they made a point. If this league doesn't start before the Nations Cup, all of them we know are going to go to Cameroon. Oh, of course. And that is from January 9th, I think, to February 6th. That's five, six weeks. And I don't see how the league will start before that January because that means it will start around New Year or Christmas. I don't see that happening. <laughs> so already, except by some uh, miraculous event, we're looking at February, Yemi. <laughs> we've had a shortened season already. We've had a shortened season a couple of times. years ago, yeah. And expecting that that would lead to a proper full blown season, and somehow we, you know, bungled it. My problem has to even do with um, how competitive we are on, on the, the continent. continent. How are they expect to be, expected to be competitive? So Aqua United wins the league. A month later, they're expected to start qualifying for the Scarf Champions League. Of course, they got knocked out early because, hey, they haven't gotten probably one adequate rest. Two, um, their recruitment, how well have they gelled? Three, proper competitive football is not available. So it's because there's no consequence and because they don't have anybody to answer to. So if you have a sponsor who's spent, who's put five year money down on the table for the MPFL, you can't tell him we will start on social day. So what value have you offered that sponsor? But because there's nothing 
like that. They don't have a sponsor. Even the one that they supposedly are supposed to sign with. There are question marks about that. Because how is it that I'm going to put my money to activate a league that I don't know where to start? So it's because there's no consequence to the focus is obviously higher. And, I'm, and mm. I use that term higher loosely because it's the super egos. Mm. And I think it's it's unfair on all the stakeholders that play the game locally. Mm. Because like it or not, not everybody's going to play in Europe. Yeah. But some people will make their livelihood from playing on the local scene. Make their career and you from jettison there. their careers by not giving them the full competition, you know, that they need to play. And the best opportunities. All right, buddy. Well, there are consequences. Hmm? There are consequences. It's just, it's just that those who should are not acknowledging those consequences. The consequences are that there's, there's no proper sponsorship. The consequences are that things are failing in Africa because they're out of... Look, it's just like your body clock. Once your body clock is out of sync, you, you, you will not operate at, 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 your, at, at the optimal, optimal level. level. Yeah. And so... These players are, they are not sure. A lot of things are not mentally, mentally, mentally sure, sure about. Mm. They show up on how they perform on the continent. Mm. There are consequences with that, with, with the, with the, the home-based egos. When they go for champ tournaments, because they are not prepared to face that challenge. So there are consequences, you know? Yeah. It's just that when the, not, when those consequences show up, the fans, instead, instead of facing the root cause, they, they blame, the coaches they blame, and the, the they blame the players and, and the coaches. Them, okay, yeah. And they say they are not good enough. Mm. And then this is why those coaches now come and say, so they are not good, they are, they are, they are not prepared good enough. To play fighting because of these are the consequences. And yeah. We need to start letting people understand that there are consequences to the uh, uh, to, to the to, um, uh, to the lackluster attitude. Yeah. Of, 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 yes, of our league is, is, is addressed. Okay, well, I'll stay with you for this one. Um, but Yemi has alluded to it. There seems to be uh, an eye on the higher level, which is the Super Eagles, of course. You know, and that brings me to again, you know. It's not something I enjoy doing. I don't have anything personal against a gentleman, but hey, some things must be said. Amadou Pini came out a couple of days ago uh, regaling us about his trip with his family to Ihianacho, to Ndidi, to Iwobi, to uh, Etebo, I think. Ademola Lukman, how he went to visit all this, blah, 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 and all of that, and ended it by dropping a hint that they might want to gallop back in Zim and all of that. I honestly feel that Amadou Pinnick overreaches himself all the time. I don't know of any FA president in any part of the world that comes out to tell you about how he visits the players. One, I think he's belittling the position. Two, I think it gives him a great... It's like he's a fan of those players. And three, you are not a scout of the team. You're not the one that picks the team. How come you're coming out with issues like maybe Gallo will return to the team, which I think is a ridiculous idea, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, we keep saying that you are not building, we've just talked about major problems on the local league. And all he was talking about was that we have to have a good nation's cup. We have to qualify uh, for the World Cup and all of that. That's what they seem to care about. That's his post- or whoever made the post in the, in the, in the, and one, some of these things we keep saying, some of these things are better left unsaid or be, left behind closed doors. You can visit whoever you want to visit. It, should, it doesn't necessarily have to be for public consumption. So I honestly don't get it. And I think this preponderance on concentrating on the super eagles, super eagles, super eagles is what is damaging and killing this local league. 
And that's what we're talking about. Your thoughts. DG, when the purpose of, when the purpose of something is not known, mm-hmm. abyss is inevitable. Yeah. Um, when, like you said, I see a lot of uh, a lot of officials, NFF officials, who are who are football fans, and who are who are starstruck. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, when 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 they are around this I I I can I can also say the same of a lot of journalists. Yeah. That is why when they go for tournaments. In fact, in some of the addresses that our Japanese has, has posted, you know, it's not talking as if a chairman, it's talking as if it speaks to them as if it's a fan. Yeah. Um, and you are not playing well. It's, 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 it, it doesn't look. Sometimes what you are building, it may require us to take a, a couple of steps, a, a couple of steps back before you can go forward. Yeah, you've got to put into consideration the fact that there are certain things you have to put in place to get certain results to build it. And so, when I hear, "Oh, you have, you have to qualify, you have to win," I see look, that is what fans want. Yeah. When I'm when I take up my when I take up my journalist hat as a fan, all these fans win all the time. But as a journalist, I also I also know that it's not, it's not possible. It's impossible because I look at some of the nations. I see what they are doing. Sometimes what we do is what you call in local parlance. But and inshallah, you make a lot of noise. I hope by God's grace will do it. Why you do not plan? God's grace, and I say clearly, will be wasted on you if you don't, if you don't plan properly. God's grace will and drain, so, out, drain away itself. Yeah, so, and so, the FA chairman, so honestly, I, I don't understand. I will say, we'll say this over and again. Why, why, why put this on the recruiting <laughs> for national team? Look, that that tells you one of the problems, one of the biggest challenges of the whole FA structure. There are departments there who are not working yeah. because yeah. someone has taken over their responsibility and it's running a, a one-man show. And not just somebody alone. Because, I mean, the last time I read, the attacker departments will never meet. Mm-hmm. And, and some, of, some of them say it. Their media, their, their media departments will never meet. And so um, we hear people talk about the we are not meeting. I'm just here. This is here. The American departments who don't take decisions. Somebody has said so. They, 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 look, the, the, the main problem with the structure is that there's no structure, and that is why that is why the NFL president will be making personal visits and talk, and, and, and then and will be giving it an official spin. It's fine if you want to visit those players and be their friend. It's good, but it's not something that should be on social media. No one says you can't be the affairs, you can't. Because of course, there's always life after sports. However, do not put an official spin to it. You know what? I'm probably with these boys. I know them. They are my personal friends. In fact, they know my family. That is what is wrong because the manager does not see how big that office is. Yeah. Yes. So he's misusing the opportunities he has to advance the course of Nigerian football. Okay, if we say we we'll continue to talk about mm-hmm. Nigerian football mm-hmm. quickly, uh, it'd seconds. be nice if you know, as member of the FAC Council, maybe he will do the same with uh, players of other countries, you know, mm. visiting them, taking pictures with them. <laughs> maybe it will be me, the same thing. Me, Since he doesn't respect the office he has at, at home, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it back to you now that once uh, this guy who's qualified for a major tournament, they're going to see pictures on social media. 
of our dear president taking pictures with or uh, uh, well, the, if it's if, if it's no more if, if it's no more our president then if it's no more the next president then you see member of this particular uh, FIFA media council member taking pictures with superstar players. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a bet on it. We wait and see about that. And um, still talking on the question of uh, Super Eagles players. I know one thing though that I noticed of all the players that he, he, he mentioned, it's only Iwobi that is not homegrown. Yeah. Etebo, Ndidi, Ihanacho, all homegrown. And that brings us to the fact that it tells a story on its own that right here, there are still talents that can be honed and healed to becoming world-class superstars. Brings us to our next topic because one of them is turning into a real world-class superstar. We hope and pray that it continues to develop at the rate at which it's developing. And that's Victor Osime of Napoli. And Victor Osime is having a fantastic season. Uh, he's scoring goals. He's doing extremely, extremely well. Um, he scored uh, 13 goals in 27 matches when he was at Lille um, in Ligue 1. A French Cup, one goal in three games. You know, at Napoli last season, he scored uh, 10 goals in 24 games. He was injured for a long period or he was out with COVID or something like that for a long period. But this season, he scored five goals in eight and I think uh, eight goals overall. He's also scored in the Europa League. And beyond the goals, you hear me? He's developing into an all-around striker. Variety of the goals. The last one he scored against Torino it was a towering header. He scored side footage so he scored, you know, so, and I always say this, is becoming, for me, in style of play, in physical abilities, he's becoming the new drawback. And, you know, he's also homegrown. This is good to see. So, he's just 22. We hope he continues to develop. How do you rate Osime right now? And what potential can he achieve as a footballer? I'm not the first time I saw Victor Osime um, as a member of the seventeen team. And proud to that, I think the set before he set was the year natural. Year natural set, as uh, success set. Yeah. yeah, He was 2015, I think. And I, I thought, because I success had gone to Europe before every other person, I thought I success was the closest to Rashidi Yekini at seen. Mm. And like it or not, once you start scoring goals for Nigeria, that you, comparison of, of, isn't comes up immediately mm. you know, to Rashidi Yekini. And this guy comes up two years after that, and he starts scoring all kinds of goals at under-17 level. And I was like, wow, what's going on? Who is this chap? Um, how far can we go with this chap? And he did excellently well at that World Cup. And Nigeria came back with a trophy. So, of course, looking forward to the future. His story is one that I think should inspire a lot of young footballers. Mm. That even if it doesn't work at one place, you, your career gives you the opportunity to pick yourself up and, and rebuild. Start all over again. Sign that Wolfsburg had a tough, tough period at Wolfsburg. Had to go on loan to Charleroi in Belgium. Had a great season there. Moved to Lille. And for huge money, moved to Napoli. And I think at 22, 
his game is still developing. Yeah. He has a lot to learn, mm-hmm. especially how to use space. I think that is one flaw that he has. Uses spaces. Especially when you are in very tight corners. Tight corners. I think that's one part. But like you said, in the air, I think that's one part of his game that is improving. Yeah. Um, his contribution able to drop deep and also dovetail and you know, give out assist and your know, link up play is improving. Mm. So I can't I can only imagine what we will get from this guy. In five years' time, when he's supposed to be at his peak, at his peak, yeah, it's scary. Mm. And a lot of people, and, and I'm, he's also lucky that, despite the indiscipline, you know, last season, mm. the whole COVID and yeah. whatever, yeah, this team Napoli has stood by him. Yeah, even though they brought in one or two other forwards, yeah. they stood by him. They even changed managers, and mm. this manager for look. We've invested a lot in this guy. We think this guy is a real deal and he's showing it already. But there's always this um, doubt about a young player becoming a full-fledged superstar a few years down the line. You know, there are many players who made it at youth level who never made the grade at full international or full professional level. Um, Osime is proving to be one that is doing well. And like we said, he's 22. He still has a lot to learn. Still has a long way to go. What do you see in his game that needs improvement? Yemi's mentioned a bit specifically. And like I asked Yemi, how far can he go? Especially from the context of the Super Eagles. Um, I I remember when... um the first I had, I had of Osime, uh, the first time I had the same name with greatness, was when I was at the, with the under-17 team. I don't think he was the first choice striker of that team. But more like Abodoe, more as we call him. Yeah. He was then in the office of the team and he, and he said, we are just having a general conversation and he said, that boy is fire. As in, Tell me more about him. Amrazi mentioned that it is his instinct for goals and his stubbornness in quotes that sets him aside from any other person. That look, it's not about his abundant level of skill, but one, like uh, Yemi said, this boy knows how to get a goal and he does not give up. So, having that, I feel why these are good attributes for a striker to have. There are nuances. The strikers game, positioning, you know, um, uh, um, cunning. That he needs to bring it to his game to take it, take it to to, 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 to to that next level. I've had the guy who said that hey, I can't wait for this boy to get to the Premiership and light the place up. But my fear is that he doesn't go to one of the clubs that have strong media back, Liverpool and Arsenal, United. The odds are that if he goes to like an Aston Villa or Everton, the odds are that they are going to start picking holes in his game. Look at look at what, what he did, did to Lukaku. Although Lukaku shot them up with his goals, but you see he had those snide remarks through social media through, through, the, through the, the, the back channels. Yeah. Like us, like Lukaku, 
and their strikers like Osa, like Osala. I think what Italy needs to uh, what uh, what Osiba uh, needs to do, and I, and I hope he can still learn it, is to watch Salah in the school. Anywhere he goes, he's going to score goals. But to add that extra, because hey, even Salah himself, remember, Salah wasn't an instant success in the Premiership. Yeah. And Salah has improved year on year. He seems to be getting better. And I think that is what Osiba should aim for. From where he, even before it comes to the Premier League, you should start watching strikers like Osala. Watch their movements, watch their awareness. Because he also needs that. Yes, he has a strength. Yes, yes, he has, he has an eye for goals. Yes, he's tenacious. But there are nuances to a striker's rule that he, also, he still needs to learn. And that is what I think he should start with that from now. Okay. Um, hear me? Um, Osime has become such a huge name in the international transfer market rumor mill <laughs> that um, as huge a team as Bayern Munich rumored yeah. to be taking a look at him as a potential replacement for uh, Lewandowski who inevitably he will leave at some point. You know? And the issue is also that he's played in the um, he's played in the Bundesliga to yeah. limited success but of course he's improved year on year on from that. Hopefully that doesn't because with this exposure and the media, um, how do I put it now? Exposure and popularity and improvement in this game comes pressure. Of course, comes you know you are not going to be you are not going to expect you are not going to score all goals all the time. Yeah, when the deep in form comes, how does he cope with that? But that's why it's, um, we always say that every professional athlete should have good people around them. Yeah. They have to have a very good support system, uh, people who can encourage them and walk them through that storage time, that mm. period that they are their worst. And I think that um, at this level, and I'm sure that's probably some of the things Napoli did, you know, um, during that period last season that wasn't doing too well, uh, probably got together with him and looked probably worked with a psychologist and told them, look, guy, we put this much money on you, we know you can't deliver. In fact, in some Italian uh, journalistic um, quarters, he's their nominee to be top scorer for the season. You know, for the season. And he's already more or less on he that He was part. their nominee before the season started? Yeah, before the season started. Oh, really? That he would be, of course, you have the likes of Sri Mobile, who are Tested and trusted, but he's already showing signs that he can do it. He's shown the signs and he's showing the consistency. So once he has a really good team about around him and he can stay fit, that's mm. really, really critical because he's shown that he's had a few injury problems over the years. If he can stay fit, I'm sure that um, those rumors will not go anywhere <laughs> in the not to distant future because yeah, we know that Bayern has to think to the future. To replace Lewandowski, mm. and if he goes to that kind of team, he will score a truckload of goals because that chances team will be created will create for him. chances. Uh, so he needs to ensure that he's surrounded by good people, mm. maintain his focus, his psychology. Quickly, quickly do you, you think his um, Spalletti has uh, anything to do with this? The channel Spalletti, the new coach, has anything to do with this? Of course, of course, there's an element to uh, what Spalletti has done. Spalletti had a really good time with Mario Cardi. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst at Inter, and he's also been very, had a great time with 
Francis who thought he played him mm. as a false nine mm. and thought mm. he was at his most prolific under Spalletti. So, uh, it's good when you have a manager that comes, even though he's a new manager, mm. but straight away, you see he has confidence in you, in you yeah. and it gives you the opportunity. Besides, this Spalletti uh, should take a lot of credit as well. So but it's good for Napoli him. have not won the league since 1990. Maradona years. That's an I don't know how many years now? 31 years ago. You know, and now they're topping the table, level of points they see Milan. Um, how huge will this be for Napoli and indeed Victor Osime personally and professionally if they had to go on to win this uh, Serie A title after 31 years and after a certain Maradona led them to the title the last time they won it? If you are just to tell you that, uh, should, Napoli, should Napoli win the title with the the biggest winner would be Amadou Pene. Remember when uh, when um, uh, Simen first arrived at Napoli? I remember what he that said. That was what he said. That he, was he, he said, he so said, like said like Simen would be bigger than Diego Maradona. Uh, the biggest winner would be Amadou Pene. But it to be huge. Um, uh, the, the, the good thing for me is that uh, Neapolitans have taken Simen to their hearts mm-hmm. and he, he has responded um, uh, in, in the most, in the best possible way, by giving them what they want, goals. Um, uh, I, I do hope that they stay the course, because it's still a long season. There are still twists and turns, uh, injuries and everything else permitting. Hopefully, they can stay the course. But one thing is sure, but whether they win the league or not, there is no way if this one continues that the will be forgotten in Napoli. Whether it spends a year or two years or three years or four years or it spends the rest of his career in Napoli. The odds are that they will never forget him, even if they don't win. But if they do win, though, that will be the icing on the cake. Mm. Uh, because the young man has taken it by storm. They are talking about him uh, uh, alongside uh, alongside the leaders of the team, um, of legend strikers in the country. And that, that can only be good. So I hope he wins. And uh, it will be good if he leaves Napoli, having put something on their... Uh, on, on their trophy cabinet. You know. So hopefully they win a trophy. Um, Yemi, can they go on to win it from a footballing perspective now? Can Napoli, <laughs> with Spalletti as a helm, much more experienced coach like they had before, can they do it? I know it's like when this Napoli to win the title story comes because I always remember my previous <laughs> Serie season. Uh, I think when you can. Give them a chance. Well, I didn't give them a chance. Uh, I think they can. I think they have a really good squad. And it'll be interesting if they win because that means they won the title just about one year after Diego Maradona passed up. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. think that would be very fitting. I think they can. They've started Diego well. Armando Maradona Stadium. Oh, yeah. So they, they, they started well. Um, unbeaten. Just dropped their first points, points uh, at the, the weekend. weekend. Mm. So I, I think they can. If but the problem also is they have a small problem of January, February. Uh, they have Kalidu Kolibali at center back, probably the best defender. Yes. And of course, Vito Sime as well. And Anguissa. And Anguissa. Three key players. <laughs> so, that will be missing for like five We're trying to see how they cope with that. With that. Okay. So we wish Victor Sime all the best. We pray he continues to play well. We pray he continues to stay injury free. And we pray he continues to do well for club and country because, um, it, it underlines the potential that the Spigles have so many of these young players doing well and so good to see that all of them or oh, most of them um, Osime we're talking about Osime we're talking about Chukwizi 
We talk about here and at all. Yeah, no, uh, we are actually developed here. Yeah. So all these running up and down pillar to post looking for players, talents can be developed here. Don't and they can ignore become, the home front. Don't ignore the home front. And these guys from here can become workers. We're talking about Awuni as well, yeah. who is doing well. Even some of the French players, Ode is doing well. The young man Amo is doing well in Sweden. All these are homegrown players who we also Rachu. grew up here. Onoachu and all of that. So, um, NFF, please don't ignore the home front. It is important to continue to hone talents. We cannot depend on these talents we are looking for all across the world if we do not develop the conveyor belt here. So, Napoli might be roused to winning the title. Former giant of um, Italian football. It brings us to uh, the falling giants of world football. Two teams are really, really struggling at the moment. And it looks like both of them did not plan for life after certain things. Um, we're talking about Barcelona in the La Liga. And we're talking about Manchester United in the Premier League, of course. But uh, this is my submission. United didn't have a post-Feggy plan. Barcelona didn't have a post-Messi plan. What do you say to that? <laughs> Listen, when Barcelona had Messi, he came with a generation of players that probably you will never ever see anywhere again. Yeah, that 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 that, that is a fact. And as for uh, as for uh, for United too, remember the, the class of '92 when Peggy first brought out these guys called the Flintics. We didn't know how big they would become. Yeah. So that also came with a generation of players whose likes will never be seen again mm. for a long time. And so I think what both teams are suffering from is that they produce a crop of talent of players that were that Gen- generational and they grew together with the team. Both of them had that. And I think this is the issue. I don't think it's, it's about the manager. I don't think it's about the club. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's about anybody making any plans. It's just that they had, they were blessed with the crop of, with the crop of generational players that still, because sometimes, like you said, some players, um, are, they play well when they are young, but for, uh, they, they play well in, in the youth ranks and they never grow to become full, full professional. But when Barcelona and United, they had this crop that grew well together and, 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 and stayed with the team. Remember that when Samos had this same crop at, at the time, when yeah. they migrated mm. to Chelsea, to other teams, I'm talking about the class of uh, the Lampard class from from West Ham. Southampton also had Carrick, mm. but they end up migrating to other to other teams. But Barcelona and United, they are, they are big enough to hold on to their players and, and agree with them. And so for me, I think it's all about these teams again going back to looking for a class that will put together. Mm. And I will always say that look, you can't ignore the home front. Yeah. And I always believe that any team that will record any amount of success. You either, you either have to push this generation from, uh, from, from a different club and keep them together as yours, or you have to put them yourself. If you don't do that, just look, Liverpool, for instance, for all the talk about, for, for, for all the talk about Liverpool successes right now, yeah, so, some of you guys are important, but you look at the players that your club is developing through, through their, uh, their, their academy. Yeah. These players too, they look to, uh, um, they, they, they look set to give Liverpool a better future, even after the important notes are gone. So, I think it's all about developing what you had at home. Okay. All right, then. Yeah, I mean, 
it looks to me, but he has alluded to it, that for you to succeed, one, you cannot buy up all the players you need. Although some clubs have bucked that trend. Yeah. Some clubs have tended to do it. Don't let's mention them, they're obvious. But it does look like it's a mix of homegrown talent yeah. and then infused with some developed stars that splash out money on. <laughs> but it does look like... So what's the problem with Mario and Barcelona? It does look like right now the mix is not quite gelling yet. Look, it's interesting that anytime I, I get asked who are, who are the two poorly, almost poorly run teams in world football, mm. this Manchester United and Barcelona. Barcelona, yeah. Without we, we had a podcast where we talked about Barcelona's bust bubble yeah. even before Messi left, you know. Um, so for both of them, whilst Barca's issues are both financial and on the pitch and administrative, uh, United's case is more on the pitch. They don't have anything, any issues financially. Mm. It's a well-run, run quote-unquote, you Commercial know. business um, side. So, the issue is this. Whilst you have a system that's worked over time, Barca have La Masia. Mm. You don't have the guys who produce from either the Cliff or Carrington, as the case may be. That pipeline seems to have kind of dry up. Mm. Dry up in the sense that the quality that's coming from the, from the pipeline is not as good as what they were used to Before. producing. So at some point, United thought to themselves, why don't we try and go back to that? And that's what happened with the social appointment. Mm. You know, let's go back to the days of old and, uh, you know, the unite, so-called United way and bring in sort of this players. And the interesting thing is, in trying to do that, you've only had one player who seemed to have come through and seemed to have established himself, and that's uh, Mason Greenwood. For Barca, they're also trying to do the same thing, trying to go back. And unfortunately, the quality that they're having to try to push to the first team is not anywhere near as good, especially defensively. So you're talking about a team that produced a, a defender like Puyo. Now you're trying to put the, the likes of Migueza, uh, Eric Garcia, who did so, who left to Man City and, and took back, which they tried to do something they did previously with Gerard Pique, let him go to see United, brought him back, trying to replicate what they've done in time past. But unfortunately, the game has moved away from that point. And why am I saying so? Look at what Chelsea has done. Chelsea, uh, Sam Regina is very happy that I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> what Chelsea has done is they've done it differently. While they've developed their academy and growing players, they've also gone out and bought the best young talent from across Europe and infused them into their team and also made a ton of money. Off so, whilst they've brought them well on the pitch, They've also done well economically with them. So you have the likes of Mrs. Mount, uh, Loftus-Cheek, and the likes mm. who have grown in leaps and bounds, also at Chelsea, and ensuring that they're able to you know, win trophies. I think that the approach now for two falling giants is to not only watch at developing that academy and try to bring players through, you also need to go out 
improve your scouting and which is a, an element that you and I have discussed mm. several times. Several times yeah. The scouting element of actually seems to have disappeared. Mm. In the old days, Silex, you just see one player come out of nowhere. Mm. And like, where did they find this guy? That seems to have disappeared. And I think mm-hmm. there's something that needs to come back for both teams to be able to regain okay. their position. Do you think, buddy, that the pressure of succeeding these days, fans, administrators, everybody's impatient now. They want instant success. So do you think this process of building um, the fans and everybody connected with the club will be patient enough? Because you're talking about Fergie's fledglings, you're talking about Lamezia. It took some years before that success came through. Are we in a situation now, are we an era and an age where you're not going to get that time because fans and everybody connected with clubs are just impatient for success? Yeah, I agree with you. And of course, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to find a way to, to bring as, as, as a villa into this. <laughs> right now, villa, the scouting matter. Villa have assembled a group, a group of excellent young stars. But the thing is that because the team won, because the fans are demanding instant success, we are not getting to see these young people play, play. There's, there's Ramsey, there's Kani, there's, there's, there's the two Pemeka brothers, there's uh, Louis Barry, the young man that scored their their couple against Papo. It's exciting young, young stars that can be put in the team and blow them. But rather than put them in the team and, and give them playing time, they have sent the they have sent these players on. Uh, um, so, so, they have sent some of them on, on, on loans, and we are struck. And we are spending money. So yes, the fans too sometimes add to this pressure. And I, I like what uh, what 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 uh, what yourself and and have said. You can't build. You can't you can't uh, build a long term success by buying. It's not possible because it, it, it takes time for the players that should bring that should bring in. To develop uh, an understanding, but these guys that grew up together have an understanding of how the team plays and how they are, and how their friends play because because that's what they are friends they're together. Mm. When they get into a team, you see the chemistry almost immediately. And so, until well, unfortunately, modern football does not does not allow for for, for, for sentiment. And, and for fans to say, you know what, let's wait for five years. Although for teams that are lower in the pecking order. That's in Villa, the South, the South Hampton, they, they, they work for that. So that, that's what they have to do. They have the big budgets to bring in players that will instantly get You've got to trust the process. Unfortunately for these teams, uh, however, when these are uh, showing signs of excellence, bigger teams come and push I'm them. Pushing, so it's yeah. a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so, hey, this conversation is going to continue for a long time, especially as teams like Man City. Teams are perfected. They are trying. <laughs> and founding <laughs> trophies. But they still smarting from Grealish 100 billion moves to Man City. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, um, I agree. Well, we, we round this up now by saying, okay, Barcelona are now ninth in the La Liga, uh, Man United seventh in the Premier League. Both teams have club legends and as coaches. Yeah. Interestingly, these two managers scored Champions League the winning, winning goals. goals. <laughs> you know, scored the winning goal for in Barcelona 92. And of course, the famous treble, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scored the goal that gave Manchester United that title in 99. But they are struggling. And of course, it looks like the pressure is mounting. 
there wasn't much love for Kuman at Barcelona. A bit of love for Sokshia mm. at Manchester United, but it looks like the pressure is, the news is tightening and all of that. What do you think? Are these teams going to pull the trigger or they are compelled to, because of the financial situation in Barcelona, uh, because Mayu has probably decided to go the long-term route. What do you think is going to happen to these two coaches? Misery loves company. <laughs> um, I don't think Barcelona can pull the trigger right now because of the financial, financial implications. Yeah. <laughs> they have to pay a return of money mm. if they're going to fire him. Um, I think if he can do the minimum and qualify for the Champions League, I think mm. he'll be fine. They will temper, the, I think they will be able to temper expectations. If you get us to the Champions League. Especially after Messi's just left. Yeah. Mm. If you get us to the Champions League over the next two, three years, which allows them to develop the likes of Pedri, Gavi, mm. and those guys build, you know, mm. over the, the next few years. With that. Yeah. And then they're able to do one or two transactions. You know, like they've, they've kind of perfected the art of signing players on the mm. free. <laughs> so, you know, they, they'll get that. For United, I don't think they'll fire social yet. I think Maybe that... It gets very um, ugly? Unless it gets very ugly. And when I'm talking ugly, I'm saying... <laughs> and you know, that's the irony. Over the last two years or that about has been in charge, there's always been periods of really bad situations that next thing the guy finds a way to go on the run. Mm. And mm. all the noise just, you know, quiets. Mm. And I think that's probably what's going to happen again. Mm. At the weekend, he plays sports. If he wins against sports, goes away to Atalanta, wins against and everybody keeps quiet. Yeah. You know, so I think it will only happen if things really go bad. That's at United. That's at United. Mm. Okay. All right. It's interesting to see. But I always tell people about football fans. Some of us are old enough to know about football cycles. When we were growing up in the 70s, Liverpool <laughs> was winning everything. The likes of United even went on relegation. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember that. So there was a time. Aston Villa too went on relegation. <laughs> there was a time. No, Aston Villa never left the Premier League. Uh, but they got on relegation. Uh, there was a time AC Milan was the team to beat in world football. Yeah. There was a time it was United. Now United are finding it difficult. There was a time it was Barcelona. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's a cycle. just about life is a cycle. Fans need to know there are ups and downs. There's no team that will be on the up forever. Never. And there's no team that will be down forever. You just have forever. to go with the flow. There was a time that Leeds were the best team in England. There was a time yeah. that Leeds were the best team in England. You know, so fans need to appreciate that, that it's like, as long as you support your team, you know, just know that it's a long haul. There'll be periods of success you will enjoy. There'll be periods of misery that you have to endure. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And no matter what you try to do, no matter how you want to shake it, you cannot run away from those periods. Exactly. It's inevitable. We're talking Liverpool now. Liverpool just demolished United 5-0. Liverpool had 30 years in the wilderness looking for a Premier League trophy before they won it. For Chelsea before... Um, it was 50 years. Abramovich came before... It was before 50, 50 years. So United, United was 26 years. 26 years. So you have to know How that... How many years for Villa? And, but by the way, you have to know that Villa are former European champions. Oh yes, former European champions. You have to respect that. <laughs> former European champions. So, <laughs> football is a cycle just like life. Success comes and goes. You just have to go with the flow. On that note, we end today's podcast, Sports 360. You can join us on IGR Sports 360 pod. We thank you all for making us one of the best listened to podcasts in the country, possibly on the continent. We thank you for that. 
Uh, thanks to my co-presenters, Yemi Adisa and Bodhi Ogutui. And hopefully, you join us again same time next week for another edition. Good to have you join us. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>